Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance, and I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. Do you know the rules of the game? Yeah. Do you know the rules of the game? I don't care what color. Can you make me a hundred million? Let's talk money. Can you make me that? If you can't make me that, I don't want to talk to you. Hey, I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my line unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is run money marathon. Do five years of this and be a millionaire and go on do what I want to do. Have kids, go live my chip and joy in the games life out here in Texas or struggle for next year. The choice is yours. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Your boy, David Bellard, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking in with my co-host. Fellas, how y'all feeling? What up, what up, y'all? It's your boy, Jalen, checking in. Feeling great on this Saturday, man. It's gloomy, but we still blessed to be here. Yeah. going on, everybody? It's your boy, Kelly, checking in. It's kind of cold out here in West Texas. Oh, man. What's good? What's good, y'all? It's your boy, Jared, checking in, man. Hey. I'm just chilling, man. Enjoying my Saturday, bro. Getting some laundry done and stuff, man. Get some, get some chores and stuff done around the house, man. Just chilling. Sound like a day of a little just self relaxation. You got the, you had the oldies going on in there. Oh yeah, you know what I'm saying. I had the oldies in there, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's only right. It's the only way. That's the only way to give. We ain't came here today to talk to y'all about cleaning. We got yet another great episode of the podcast ready for you guys. Uh, yeah, got a special guest. Former NFL player and now turned financial advisor, uh, Mr. Ronnie Brown. Ronnie, how you doing, bro? I'm doing well, man. How y'all doing? Man, great, 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 man. Blessed to be here. Blessed to have you, man. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it, man. It's always good to be able to talk to some people with knowledge and, you know, share information. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, Ronnie, bro, we just want to hop right into it. Could you tell us, like... How you got your start, like introduce yourself to our audience and just let them know like how you got your start, how you got to be where you are now. Yeah, man. So uh it's a long story, so I kind of speed it up a little bit. You know, I grew up in northwest Georgia, uh, in a small town, Cartersville. You know, for me, sports was my outlet. So I played football and baseball growing up. I actually was more of a baseball fan than than football. I wanted to go to Florida State and play baseball. Uh, unfortunately, they don't do full scholarships. So I took the football route, went to Auburn University on scholarship, you know, like anything else, some trials and tribulations, overcame that, was drafted second pick in 2005 NFL draft and, you know, had a 10-year career. And just in doing that, man, I think just in wanting to know the business side of things, I realized how ill-equipped I was coming out of a small community, you know, really being the first in my family to experience some type of financial success. And so knew that there was a lot that I didn't know. And so in going through that and experiencing injuries and, you know, I think the the pressures of being a professional athlete, you know, I started looking at the other side. And so really wanted to know all the stuff that I didn't know. And so was intrigued, surrounded myself with some business people and ended up opening a community bank in, uh, you know, in the Fort Lauderdale area. And so that was the catalyst to trying to get the information. And then in that, you know, making the transition out of the league. I just saw towards the end of my career, there were a lot of guys who came in like myself, 
who was just trying to figure it out, you know? And so I felt that it was my obligation to really share what I learned with a lot of those individuals and tell them about, you know, some of the hurdles that I ran into and how to avoid those things. And so that landed me on this side of things because I wanted to get the information and the knowledge, but then also I just knew that this is where I lacked the most information. And so what better way to get the information than to go to the information source? And so I engulfed myself in, you know, doing the registration exams and all of that and, you know, landed here. Hey man, that's, that's amazing, bro. So how far along were you into the league whenever you realized, man, it's time for me to kind of shift gears and shift my focus and start picking up more on the business side? You know, I think fortunately, I've always been a person who likes to watch people and see how people move and, you know, really see what the motivations are. So when I got in the league, I just knew like, man, I want to learn as much as possible. And that pertained to being a professional athlete, trying to involve myself in charity stuff. But then on the other side of it, the business stuff that I knew, you know, I didn't know. And so my third season, I tore my ACL. And so things changed a lot, you know, but at the same time, you know, with that, in adversity, you find opportunity. And so when I was sitting back going to rehab, sitting in my house by myself, I realized my phone wasn't ringing as much, you know, from family and friends and people checking on me. So that helped me reevaluate, you know, some relationships. And so it was time to think. And so just looking at that, it also opened my mind to the fact that this could be over, you know, any day now. So, you know, really just looking at that, it's like, well, what else would I do if this was the end of my career? And so starting to think about, you know, what I was interested in. And so it was one, what I was interested in, but then two, how could I help other people? And so just knowing that that was the area that I needed to probably the most improvement because, you know, unfortunately, when we go through high school and college, there's not a lot of life applicable lessons that you learn. You know, no. we learn a lot about geography, but, you know, when you come from certain communities, these are a lot of places that you may never go or you may never want to go. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, the first time I got on the airplane was when I was going on a way trip with Auburn University as a football player. And so, you know, looking at that, I'm like, I need some stuff that I can apply to life and be better and teach me some lessons and give me some information. And so just in doing that, man, when I was sitting during that downtime, I just, you know, opened my mind up to different things and just seeing, having people around me that I could watch, you know, that I had seen be successful. That's powerful, man. I like how you said through adversity, you find opportunity, man. That's really some powerful things because you see that trend with everyone who's successful. Like they had to go through some type of adversity, but through that, they didn't get down on their luck. They said, okay, how can I look at this from a different perspective? How can I see what's the reason for me being here? Like I'm here for a reason. So right. that's powerful, man. Yeah. And I feel, I mean, I just feel like we all here for a reason. You know what I mean? And so, you know, for me, I feel like there's a lesson or a blessing in anything that we experience, you know, and it's up to us, you know, depending on our perspective and how we look at things to find that. And so, you know, you never really have a loss. You just figure either it was a lesson or a blessing. And so I need to figure out what was in it for me and how to be better. So next time I'm in an opportunity or I'm in a situation like this, I can make a different choice or it's an educated decision. and I got a better understanding of the outcome. And I kind of want to go back, Ronnie, back to when you you got drafted and received your first check. What was that feeling like when you got your first check from the NFL? Man, it was exciting. You know, to be honest, I didn't even look at the check. You know, I had direct deposit. And, you know, for me, it was because I grew up a certain way and certain experiences in terms of the challenges that my parents deal with, dealing with substance abuse, um, having an older brother who deals with substance abuse as well in terms of alcohol. And so really looking at it, man, I was fearful of, giving myself that leeway. You know what I mean? And what I say that I mean, by knowing that the money was in the bank, you know, then you open your mind to, oh, I, I deserve this. I can go out and spend this. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to always keep that hustle mentality and feel like there's still more that I need to do. And so I didn't want to create, you know, that space for me to be like, okay, I can kind of relax now. And so I never really wanted to be one of those type of people that feel like I made it. And so, you know, I really kind of avoided even looking at it. But it felt good to know that it was there. But at the same time, you know, that wasn't the end of it. Like, I just feel like there's a purpose. And, you know, it was something weird, man. Like, as I played football and the higher I got in terms of levels and the more I accomplished, I just knew and I always think that there's a deeper purpose for me, you know, on this earth. And, you know, I think God gave me the platform to be able to use football as a catalyst to 
you know, spring me and, you know, create a base. But, you know, I think there's always more to accomplish. Yeah, for sure. Money is really just only a tool at the end of the day. Like, right, because there's no value in it, really. Like, when you think about money, like, I mean, it's a piece of paper that, you know, we print our own money in the U.S., so, you know, really, how valuable is it? And so, you know, I think when we kind of open our mind to, you know, our purpose, our intent, why we're here, and having a positive effect, and really thinking about life is really about joy, happiness, and, you know, laughter. Like, and so whatever creates those moments, having peace of mind, like, if you got that, who care about money? You know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. you know, I think we get so caught up in a lot of things and it's a lot of distractions that make us think that, you know, money is the peace, man. At the end of the day, I feel that money is a means to an end. And so if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. You know, yeah, we need money to live. But at the same time, if your ultimate goal is to make money, I don't think you'll ever have enough. You know what I mean? And so really just getting accustomed to what it is that you want to accomplish. And, you know, an accomplishment isn't, you know, in what somebody else has. It's what makes you happy. So as long as you're happy with what you're doing and you're happy doing it, then you're successful. Bars. Listen, bars. Yeah. Yeah. I love that type of talk, bro. Um, Nah, man, it's cool, man. I appreciate it. Man, I want to go back to, um, I'm guessing this was your first investment. You said the community bank you opened up? Was that your yeah. first investment? Yeah, the first, yeah, real investment, yeah. So let, let's talk about that. Like, yeah, what, what is that like, man? Problem. Like, opening up a community bank. What even led you to doing that? Yeah, like, um, most people do, like, franchises and stuff. It was an opportunity, man. I was fortunate enough, there was a guy from my hometown, and I met in South Florida, but then he introduced me to you know, some other business people in South Florida area. And so I feel that if there's something that you want to do, find people that are in that space doing it and are successful at it and really ask for information. And so, you know, it was a great opportunity. I got a chance. It was a chance for me to learn. And so in being in the mix with those guys, you know, and hearing, you know, different talk than outside the locker room, you know, it just created, all right, I want to do something else. Like, you know, and as long as we open our mind to it, I mean, we can accomplish it. I think the biggest difference in a lot of community is just access to information. Not that people are more capable, but as long as we get the information, we all got a certain type of hustle, especially if you grow up in a certain community because you've been able to overcome stuff. So if you can overcome stuff, you get information and apply it with the work ethic, the sky's the limit. So, I mean, just looking at that, man, I was surrounding myself with people in areas that I wanted to accomplish stuff. And so I was fortunate to get around some of these people and it helped me out. Hey, I love it, man. And I like how you say you expose, what's up, man? I like how you say, you know, you had to expose yourself to different people outside of the locker room because that's important that you can realize that because we speak about that a lot, like your top five people who you around and associate yourself with, that's who you're going to reflect. And I kind of wanted to go back and ask, was there ever like some difficult you, you had to face in the locker room? You know, you might have people on the team that's like the big ballers, the big oh, splendors yeah, and everything. People that want to show off and buy the whole team watches and all that type of influence in the locker room. Yeah, yeah man. I, um, you know, for me, it, it, was a, it was a growing process. You know, and I say that because when I got drafted, coming from a small I didn't know what wealth it was. You know what I mean? So my understanding of what wealth was, the more I accumulate the things, the assets, then the wealthier I am. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, not understanding that wealth was in my mindset and my mind state. So, you know, I had to gradually learn different things and luckily being around different people because growing up in a small town, going to school in Auburn and then going into a community like Miami, it's a whole different world, you know, and it's a lot of opportunities to spend a lot of money. And so, you know, not to say that I didn't do any of that stuff. My first few years, like, I pretty much enjoyed a lot of the party scenes, you know, went out. But at the same time, I realized quickly that, wait a minute, like, I'm still in the same people doing the same stuff in the same environment. So it has to be more than just this. You know what I mean? And so just going through that, I just realized, like, man, something has to change. And so I realized that it wasn't going to be the environment of Miami that was going to change. So it had to be me that I was going to have to change my mindset and my mentality as to my approach to it. So not saying that you can't enjoy having time, but at the same time and place and enjoy a lot of things and it won't really over consume you. And so, 
in doing all of that, man, I just wanted to just kind of looking at people and being like, oh, he's successful in this space. You know, maybe I surround myself with them and attract some of the stuff that they're attracting. And so, you know, just being cognitive or, you know, being conscious of, you know, like you said, you are most like the five people you're around. And so when you look at the five people you're around the most, then I can pretty much predict your future. Um, and so just looking at that and realizing that I wanted to expand my circle to being beyond just athletes, you know, because that was a space that I was comfortable with. Um, but at the same time, I knew I wanted more. So in trying to infiltrate and being those different circles. That's deep. I wanted yeah, to pull that's, one that's thing fine. out of there. I really liked was like that you, you didn't let your circumstances, like you didn't let yourself be subject to your circumstances. You changed the situation around your circumstances. Like right. you were saying that basically like you weren't going to allow it to just be, I'm, you know, I'm only exposed to athletes or, you know, I'm only exposed to this, that, and the third. Like I'm going to make sure that I can get myself out of it because I know Miami not going to change, but I'm going to find a way to get outside of it myself and change my mindset. So I'm going to change. Yeah. And, you know, and I think it was, you know, luckily I realized early on that I am not my circumstances, you know, and a lot of times we can use that as, you know, crutches or, you know, even for excuses. But I mean, at the end of the day, they don't really get us anywhere. Nobody feels sorry for you. It ain't going to do nothing for you. And then eventually, if you keep doing it long enough, ain't nobody going to want to be around you. And so you either can make the best of it or you can just keep yourself in that situation. And so I was like, man, it's more than this. And, you know, once I get out of here, I'm going to make the best of it. And so I try to do that with everything that I, I do. One thing is I never claim to be or I never want to be the smartest person in the room. So I want to surround myself with people who have, I feel, have more information or access to information that I like to have and then just you know really trying to soak it up be a sponge you know I just feel like it's important to be able to be around different groups of people you all you get different perspectives but then just seeing different things you know and I think just in having a conversation with a lot of people in my hometown that's why I encourage people I'm like not that college and universities give you a huge step ahead it's not for everybody but getting out of your environment and your current situation is important because it opens you up to different people and different perspectives. And so you get to see and realize different things. And so, you know, a lot of the things that we put on ourselves are really in our mind, you know, and I think once we open our mind, and expose ourselves to different information, you know, we can accomplish a lot more, but you know, you got to get outside of the thinking mm -hmm. of this is normal and I can accept this where I am. This is like everything that it is, everything it ever will be. I'm just, Happy right, I have, I have, and I'm never going to do nothing to change that. Right. It ain't nothing wrong with appreciating what you have but want more. You know what I mean? So as long as you appreciate what you got, it's okay to have ambition and to want to do more and strive to do more and be more. And I like how you said, you know, you got to change. You got to get out of that bubble. I know that's something we've brought up before, but um, it's so, going to college. Yeah, like it's, it's just so important, like you said, just to expose yourself to different environments. Like you said, even if you don't go to school, go join the military. Go just do something. I don't care if you go do something with a traveling job. You can go do insurance claims adjuster. You don't need a, you don't need a uh, degree for that. Like just anything that'll expose you to different things in your environment, it'll just give you that little spark of hope of like, oh man, I never knew that this was possible. Oh, I never knew that this existed. Like once you get that, it's just eye-opening to so much more. Change the game. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, you know how we are. Like, we be in certain communities, and we've never been on the other side of the community. Mm -hmm. But everybody's, man, them over there, but they be tripping. You know what I mean? And we buy into that, not <laughs> saying that we ever go experience it for ourselves. And then we finally run into somebody, and you be like, oh, bro, ain't that bad. Like, yeah, like be they, cool. They, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And so really just experiencing it for yourself and, you know, being open-minded about different things. and. You know, it ain't about having an argument. It ain't about being right. It's just about doing right. You know what I mean? And so when you surround yourself with that type of positivity, then positive things start to happen for you. That's a big facts, man. So I do want to go back to, I do want to go ask a question going back to kind of what we were talking about as far as like helping with the community and stuff like that. So what made you go into the route of being a financial advisor? I think the biggest part was because that was, like I was saying, that was where I realized I didn't have, you know, that information. And for me, it was a huge change. Like I went from, I had $167 in my regions account. And then 
it changed overnight. You know, I get drafted, I go to Miami. So now the dynamics of my life changed, you know, not only how my parents and how everybody in my family looked at me because financially I was stable. I was more stable than everybody. But then also just from society things it's like, oh, well, you're a professional athlete. You need to drive this type of car. You need to do this. You need to be here. You need to enjoy these things here. But then also the pressures of being a professional athlete. And it's like, oh, by the way, you need to do all of those things, but we still need you to perform at a high level and everyone's going to be watching. And so looking at all of that stuff, man, I think that stuff can get the best of a lot of guys. You know what I mean? And so, you know, for me, it was just, I just knew that was the area that I needed the most assistance in. And so, you know, to be honest, I was fearful of making mistakes, you know, and we see all the stories, we hear all the stories. And it's not just about, you know, guys doing the wrong thing. It's like, you grow up in environments where you are taught to survive. It's hard to be put and just put in a situation where now you, you expect it to thrive. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I've been in survival mode for so long. Now you expect me to thrive. Like there has to be a transition, you know what I'm saying? And so until I can change my mindset, I'm going to keep the same habits. And so whether you have a million dollars, you have a hundred dollars. If you used to live in, you know, without money, you're going to go buy a lot of stuff with that million dollars and keep it in that same mindset. So, you know, you have to change your mindset in order to change your habits. And so taking that approach, it's like, well, how can I do that? Get access to the information. And so try to find out what I don't know. And I know that there's some things that I don't know, but, you know, just trying to watch and try to put myself in situations where I can ask questions. Definitely. I do want to talk about, like, I know people that are in the NFL or professional athletes or even people that are really successful, sometimes their family or friends feel obligated that you support them or support their dream. Yeah. Has that ever happened to you? Or is there is there something that you could talk about uh, what athletes or those people should try to do? Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I think a big part of that is once you make it, you know, and I think I say like success is in the eye to behold Like you, you know what I'm saying? Whatever it is that you want to accomplish, that's your success. And it's not amount of money because there's still people who have struggles. So looking at that, I think the hardest part, especially coming out of like the black community, is when we grow up in small communities, we feel guilty about being successful because we feel like we left some of the people who was in the same circles who honestly had the same opportunity. They just, you know, unfortunately didn't unfold the same way. And so we feel guilty about that. But at the same time, once we get to a certain place, you know, me speaking in particular of my situation, when I got to Miami, everything was so new to me. So I wanted to create some sense of normalcy. And so I went back. I asked my cousin to move in with me because I wanted something that I was familiar with or somebody I was comfortable with to be around me and help me navigate through that. And I think a lot of guys, girls, individuals do that because you're trying to create some kind of norm around you because everything's so new to you. And so many people are trying to prey on you, whether it's business people with new opportunities, you know, you're expected to go perform, like I said, in, in sports, but you want to have somebody support you. But then even moving around now, moving in a new city, it's like, dang, it's a lot happening at once. And so um, trying to navigate that is difficult. But at the same time, you got to learn to say no. And because we feel guilty about being successful, it becomes difficult because a lot of people that we're around and we're used to having close family and friends, you know, when they do start asking, sometimes the ask for help becomes entitlement, you know, and it's like, oh, you have this. So you owe me because we grew up in this area. Or you remember when I used to do this. And so then you kind of start feeling into that guilt. It's like, well, you are kind of right. Like we did grow up together. You know what I'm saying? And then you start to give, but at the same time, you're like, man, like if you give too much, now you entitling or you becoming an enabler to them because it's easy for them to come back to you. And so, you know, when is a good time to say no? And so, you know, I tell a lot of guys, um, individuals that I speak with, I'm like, you can really tell how close you are with somebody by the ability to say no to them. So if me and you are homeboys and I say, you like, man, let me get a hundred dollars. And I'm like, bro, I can't do it today. I don't really feel like I should owe you an explanation. If we're close enough, you will understand and be like, oh, all right, I understand. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, because we're close enough that if I had it to give right now, I give it to you. Not looking at the situation of what I got or the assets, you just kind of know that, okay, maybe he just couldn't give it to me right now without an explanation. But when you find yourself having to give explanations to or give reasons by why you're saying no, 
you might not need to be around some of those individuals. And the hard part about it is getting away from some of those people or pulling the plug on some of the people that you really feel close to. But at the end of the day, it's putting a guilt and it's putting a weight on your shoulders. You know what I mean? Yes. That's major, major, major. I think I tweeted something like that. Like, whenever those type of people, they come around, they just taking, taking, taking from you all the time, man. That shit will tear you down. Like, you got to know how to distance yourself. And, like, you can still love somebody and, like, not enable them, like how you were talking. Like, not, not like, do whatever you're doing for them that's going to hurt you on the back end. Because at the end of the day, you're really responsible for yourself. Like, they going to take... Uh, I seen some shit like that. It said, if you a giver, be careful because takers don't have no limits. They're just taking, taking, take. So you like you got to protect right. yourself at the end of the day. Yeah. One of my partners used to always say that you never see a for sale sign on Easy Street. You know what I'm saying? So if you keep giving, they're going to keep taking. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so you got to realize that, you know, if you give all that you have, who's going to be able to help the helper? That's deep. So, so I kind of want to like hop into some more of the financial advising stuff, man, because it's pretty dope. So you do work with a lot of uh, athletes, you say, right? Yeah. So how are the younger players receiving this message of like, you know, handling their money and being financially literate? You know, it's difficult because, I mean, obviously now with social media, it's so many influences to get guys to think, you know, you see all these guys going out, everybody jumping on private jets. But if you were a fourth, fifth round guy, you hanging with a guy first round who just got his second contract and you trying to emulate and buy the same stuff that he has, like that ain't set up for you. You know what I mean? And so, you know, you got to understand your situation and where you are. And so, you know, I, I think there are a couple of things that are important in life. You know, one, I think understanding your identity, who you are as a person, who the foundation you are of who you are. The purpose, you know, what's your purpose individually, not because somebody else is doing something, but then also how you deal with adversity and conflict resolution. So that's four things. If you can do those four things and you understand those four things about yourself, then you got an opportunity to be successful in your own mindset. And so, you know, when you're dealing with a lot of guys, there's just so many influences to try to overcome. And then, you know, just in the world of sports, there's so many people that want to help, you know, what I'm saying? not genuinely help, but. They want to help you because it'll help their situation. And so um, really trying to decipher between those people. And so, you know, when you're talking about people, sometimes those relationships are close relationships, you know, and unfortunately you have to learn, you have to get burned by some people to learn your own lesson. And so really for me, I take the approach of, you know, I've done it, I've seen it. um, And so I just want to give you the information, give it to you raw, like whether you work with me or not. I love to work with you because I've kind of been in that space. But at the same time, if you don't, let me share the information with you on how to be successful. Because at the end of the day, the business of sports is just that. It's a business. And so once you make it, you have to look at yourself as a business entity because they're going to do what's best for them. And so you've never seen an establishment or institution pay the employee more than the employer makes. You know what I mean? And so People look at contract breakdown and you're like, oh, man, they gave him $100 million. So I'm like, well, okay, think about it in terms of a business. If they're able to give him $100 million, how much do you think they're making? And so you have to make business decisions based on you. And so in doing that, it's like, man, listen, let's look at this as this is all the money you have when you get your contract. Let's say that you never play again beyond this contract. And so taking that approach, then it's like, well, okay, when you get the next contract, now we can build on it. but it's the evolution of where you are as an individual. And so too many times, a lot of times, because how we grow up, we try to fix, like for a 22, 23-year-old guy getting drafted, we try to fix 22 or 23 years worth of issues Hmm. in one signing bonus or one salary. You know what I'm saying? And so by doing that, we create a lifestyle that's hard to sustain because you don't know how long you're going to play. And there's so many unknowns when you're talking about sports. So when you look at the average life, it's three years in the NFL. So if you are lucky enough to make it that three years, at 26, you retire. What you going to do with the rest of your life? You know what I mean? So now you got a retirement plan for 60 years, but you've only made money for three years. And so are you able to sustain a lifestyle off of that, knowing that half of your money went to Uncle Sam, the other 3% went to your agent, and then you try to fix everyone's problems that has become your problem you don't have enough money to make it 60 years. So 
Now what you're going to do? And a lot of times, unfortunately, we're not equipped because sometimes the opportunity comes so fast. We may not graduate. We may not be looking at the long term. So it's hard to replicate that salary that we were just getting. So the likelihood of going out and finding a job is going to pay you even two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars a year. That's difficult. You know what I mean? And so really getting guys to understand, like when you start making decisions, you want to make long term decisions because it's so different than in a business, whereas you enter, you know, the place of business and the more experience you get, the higher your salary tends to go over time. Whereas in the NFL and NBA or Major League Baseball, your first when you find sign your contract, now the countdown begins for you to be towards the end of your career. And so really getting guys to understand that really is really the important part. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Damn, I never looked at it like that. I do want to hop into another thing though. You mentioned that have the check going to Uncle Sam. Like, what type of taxation are these people getting on these athlete checks? Because, you know, that's another thing a lot of people don't think about with the whole more money, more problems thing. You get taxed a lot heavier. Right. So when you just break it down, man, I think you look at it. One, you're in the high tax bracket. So let's say you're in 37% tax bracket. Um, if you go somewhere like California, who has another state tax of 13%. So now you at 50% of your check. So... When you see your signing bonus, yeah, everybody in your family, you see that signing bonus of he signed 20 million. But being in that environment, that 20 turned to 10 or 11 real quick. And then you pay your agent 3%. And then you go buy either your mom a nice house, you buy you a nice house and a car, (laughs) most of your money. So your 20 turned into seven real fast. You know what I mean? Quick. Quick. (laughs) that's what i'm saying like so a lot of us don't look at that because we see the signing bonus we don't think about the taxes and the fees and the lifestyle setup we just look at that number but that number is elusive because of all the stuff that has to happen before you get the money to hit your account or when it does hit your account you know what you're gonna be obligated to pay out and so you know you have to explain that and unfortunately we don't see a lot of that in our community where we get you know uh, so much money in abundance and so you've been around people who are used to living month to month, you got that mentality, like I was saying, then you tend to keep that same habit. And so mm-hmm. you going out and because you have more money, you spend more money rather than thinking about how to save. And that's the thing that gets us in trouble a lot of times because we haven't been in a situation where we are able to save money, you know, in a household when you're used to trying to, you know, break it down, calculate for the bills, calculate for the groceries. And then these things, when you have a surplus of money, you don't understand it. Okay, there's a certain percentage of this that I need to be saving and putting back for my retirement. Hey, how do you feel about um, the professional players like Richard Sherman that negotiate their own contracts to try to get the deal best for them personally? I mean, I think it's good. You know, you have the information and the education. And once you understand it that way, I mean, who's going to care more about you than you? So if you're able to do it, then I think, the hats off to you. Richard did a great job of knowing his situation. He really bet on himself and it played out in his favor. Unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. So really, if you aren't able to do it, make sure that you surround yourself with somebody you trust and their ability to do it. And so they have the information, they got the background in doing it. And really vet these individuals, the only thing is it's hard to ask the questions of how to know these people are credible because you never really kind of dove in these circles in terms of dealing with financial advisors, dealing with agents, dealing with business managers, dealing with these people. So you're really trying to select people to bring into your circle. And so really trying to vet who has your best, um, you know, in mind, you know, and so just looking at that, you got to surround yourself with people who are capable, but at the same time, who are willing to do it on your behalf, because there are so many people out here capable of doing it, but then that comes down to, well, why are they doing it? Like, are they really interested in the person or are they interested in the player because there's a benefit in working with you? So, you know, just understanding that and really breaking it down, you know, and keeping people that you really trust around you who are going to be around you for the long term. So I have a question. Uh, With having been in the positions that you've been in, like how you've had to go through it, how – could you give anybody advice as far as like a vetting process to figure out like 
who can you kind of trust or who can you kind of figure out that might have your best interest at heart or maybe some of the things that you used to filter out people? Yeah, I think one is when you come into it, it's difficult because a lot of people come at you at once. So looking at your circle, keeping the same circle around you when you start to make these decisions and use them to be able to ask questions as well, whether you have a mentor or somebody older around you that's been around you, you know, for the right reason for a longer period of time. So bring these people in the meetings with you, you know, allow them to ask questions. Um, You ask the questions because a lot of times we feel that by asking a question, you know, it shows that I don't know, but that's the only way you're going to get the information. And so when you start working with these people, just ask the question and we all get a, a good feeling, you know, down in our stomach and in our, you know, in our heart that we know if we're working with the right person or not, you know, and so don't let anybody force you into making an immediate decision. You know, ask me, man, all right, man, I'm going to digest this a little bit. Allow me to think about it and I'll let you know what my decision is and really giving it some thought. And so in doing that, just even looking at, you know, other people who they deal with and how they move and, you know, what their whole purpose is and why they're in the business. And so when you're making these decisions, it, it's, it's difficult, like I said, because you really expose yourself to a lot of strangers. And so, you know, you got to do as much betting in the process as you can, because at the end of the day, one, you're dealing with your money, or you're dealing with your career. And so this is somebody that's going to be around you for an extended period of time. And so really asking all the questions that you need to ask, taking time, not being forced to make an immediate decision and really using the people around you who understand, you know, a lot of this stuff. Most deaf. So like, was there any type of reading material, anything that you came across in the process of you figuring out all of this that you would like suggest some people to start kind of taking a dive in? It wasn't. I didn't really look. I just kind of, so for me, luckily, when I first got to Miami, I had some older veteran guys that really kind of took me under their wing. Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas, Junior Seau, you know, Bonnie Holiday. So these guys, I was able to kind of get around them, see how they move. Jason did a great job of being a football player, being really good at what he did, but then he was really involved in the community. So I was like, oh, that's something I like to, you know, do when I'm able to. And then Bonnie just was a good person. He used to just sit down, we have a conversation. Those guys would invite me over. They have like a poker night or whatever, but you know, they were sharing information with me. And so really surrounding yourself with the veteran guys who you see doing it the right way, but are really good at what they're doing and just try to get the information from them. Zach Thomas probably was the most professional person that I've ever been around because the way that he prepared, the way he handled himself as a professional, his preparation was second to none. You know, he spent his Mondays or Tuesdays, the days off at the facility watching film. He had his dinner delivered there. So the way that he moved. And then Junior Seau, you know, he was just a different guy. He really enjoyed people. He had a great personality, treated everyone nicely, and was really just a good person. When you've been around people like that, you know, everybody likes to be around them. So really just trying to take stuff from each of those people. But then in terms of the professional piece of it, it's just, you know, putting yourself in position to ask the questions and get the information because people want to help you. But it's like being careful about who you ask the information from and really seeing if somebody's genuinely wanting to help you and you get an understanding of, okay, this person really want to help me. And so you start getting that information and then there's access to, you know, whether it's apps and trying to get information about finance or getting information about, you know, the business side of it or agents or all of this other stuff. There's information out there. It's just about, you know, trying to find information that you can understand and that you relate to and then just asking questions. And I think another big part of that is double checking the information. That's really how you can really also tell like who you can trust. You can get those tips and stuff and be like, okay, let me go see what this person's saying. Like you said, I can get on Google right now and just be like, was they telling me was the right things? And I feel like sometimes we take people's word for the law too much. Sometimes we don't go back and fact check things. Yeah. And we got to do that. You know, and that's why I say, don't let anybody force you to oh, no, you got to sign right now or you got to, no, I mean, let me check out the information. Let me digest what you said. Let me run it past a few people and see if this is accurate. And then I'll let you know how I feel about working with you or, you know, even working in this situation. So, you know, it's just about, you know, making sure that you're comfortable with everything and you make an educated decision on on whatever you get involved in. So have you ever had to work with, ever had like a client where they really didn't, they probably like maybe messed up their money in the long run, but they came to you and like, okay, can you show me at least how to rebound from this? 
how I can kind of get on the right path? I haven't, fortunately. But it's really just having those conversations. You know, and for me, I feel like because I came from that side of things, it's like, man, listen, I'm always going to be honest with you. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, it's your money. You know what I'm saying? So really, I'm just going to try to give you advice to help you get to whatever it is your goals are. And so when we start, you know, working together, I let you know, let's just say hypothetically, if we started working together, right? I'd ask you to write your goals out. What do you want to accomplish? The top three things. And so by you saying it, it becomes an accountability thing because it's not my words or it's not what I feel is important for you. It's what you want to do. So now it's easy for me to hold you accountable. And so I can say, well, if you want to accomplish these three things, these are the steps that we need to take. But if not, then you just don't stick to the plan. And so by doing that, now you have accountability to your own words. And I think that's why a lot of people say, if you want to accomplish stuff, start writing it down because Mm -hmm. that creates the accountability because one, other people can read it or you can read it. And then it's like, okay, like I said this, so I need to do this. And so just in doing that um, and having that approach and just having the honest communication, you know, I feel like that's the bond to any relationship is communication and conversation. Like if we can communicate, we talk about it, you know, that takes a lot of misunderstanding out of it. And so really just having that accountability, but then also just having the conversation, communication, you know, for education purposes. Most definitely, most definitely. So, uh, Ronnie, I did have another question for you. Uh, this is kind of a pivot. I wanted to ask you about, like, the stock market right now. You know, shit going crazy right now, man. Right. I mean, didn't we just have, like, a two-week rally? Like, this second, yeah. we just ended a rally, even on all this bad news. So, I just want to get your opinion on what's going on and what you think, just what your opinion of the market is. You know, I think just one, for compliance reasons, I couldn't, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, and just being honest about most financial advisors, I would say pretty much just about all of us. Nobody really knows. One, because my take on it, this is my opinion, is if we knew exactly what was going to happen, all of us would be millionaires and billionaires. So we wouldn't need to be financial advisors. And so we can't account for some of the unforeseen things that are going to happen. Yeah, everyone, like they say, in hindsight, has 2020 vision. You know what I mean? After something's happened, oh, I knew that was going to happen. But if you knew that was going to happen, then, you know, you'd be way ahead of the curve. And so, you know, really just about that, it's like anything else, like I was talking about. It's the education, the information, um, going out, getting different perspectives. You know, I try to read different stuff, whether it's some, you know, from different companies that come out, they put out information and getting an understanding, trying to read all this coronavirus stuff. But you know, and then taking everything with a grain of salt and formulating my own opinion. Because at the end of the day, once you make a decision, you know, you have to stick with that decision. And so in me formulating my own opinion through different perspectives and getting information and education, and then I have a conversation with you and get your opinion. And then we decide to do something that's in the best interest, hopefully, of the client, then we can be comfortable with that decision. But just to go out and you know, really try to guess and see what's going to happen with the stock market. Like that wouldn't be my idea plan for anyone because it's too difficult. And, you know, if that was the case and it was that easy, then so many more people would be successful about it. So, you know, I just take the approach that it's not in my best interest to try to guess and see what's going to happen with the stock market. Let's just try to build something that sticks to your plan and we'll work the plan accordingly and we'll stick to it and see, you know, where we are in, in different situations. I got a, um, one of the final questions. With the draft coming up, what is some of, or an advice that you can give some of the players that's coming into the draft, uh, whether it be money advice, professional advice, anything? I think the biggest part is being involved in every decision that has to be made, um, whether it's about your career, it's about your finances. Make sure that you understand and you know what's going on. You know, and then just about the draft, Honestly, then again, there's that situation like nobody really knows what's going to happen. Even the GMs like who have an idea of who they want to draft. But depending on what happens with the first pick, somebody make a trade that can change up the whole board. So nobody really knows. So all you need is an opportunity. So once you get in, appreciate the opportunity and understand this is what you did all the work for. And so, you know, whether you go first round, or you go fifth round, like just appreciate it, make the best of it and just take the mentality like. I'm going to go in here, I'm going to do my best. And so, you know, in doing that, making sure that, you know, each decision is a conscious decision on what's going to happen. And so approaching each day as 
if I can get 1% better today than I was yesterday, then I've been successful for the day. You know, I think just taking that approach to anything because you can only control the controllables. And so the things that don't take talent, I think that's the things that you have to be really good at it, whether it's, you know, punctuality, knowing what to do, knowing where to be and, you know, your effort. Those are things that you can control. And so I always tell guys, control the controllable. Certain things are going to be out of your control. You can't really worry yourself about those things. But the things that you do control, make sure that you do a really good job at it. I really like that. That's a bar of the day right there. Control the controllables. Yeah, man. You know, we worry a lot about a lot of stuff that we, you know, we can't control. Hey, that, that's facts for real, though, man. That's big Yeah, and all that do is add stress and, you know, all kind of other stuff to hypertension. And that's what it's just, I mean, listen, you can only control this or let's control this and everything else. Hey, put it out there in prayer and we'll see what happens. And let God take care of it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, so Ronnie, we're going to pivot to the last segment of the show, bro. Uh, it's called What's On Your Timeline. So we just want to ask you, what's something you've seen on social media that you want to talk about? Man, let's see. Because I don't really, I get on there, but, you know, I think the thing with me is, like, everything I do is pretty much intentional. And I'm trying to get better at that. That's something that, you know, I want to be good at. So when I go on social media, it's with intent. So it's whether I want to, you know, look up some information where I can get educated on something or if I'm reaching out to an individual or somebody and not really getting too many negative thoughts. But, you know, I think social media is really for people to have an understanding of, you know, like what's going on, but at the same time, be realistic about what's on there. You know, and I tell people this at the end of the day is a highlight tape. You know, everyone, like you're an athlete, when you used to send the, the schools, the tapes of you, you send them your highlight tape. And so when you look at social media, it's pretty much the highlight of everyone's life. Like you see everybody enjoying it, having a great time. And it's rare that you see individuals who show the vulnerability of when things aren't going so well and when things are going bad. And so just keeping it in perspective and using it for what it's worth. You can network with people and get on there and keep in contact, you know. But outside of that, I really, you know, I don't really do a good job with social media, I don't think. Hey, but... Hey, you use it what you need to use it for, bro. Just as long as you're using it purposefully. Because, like, we talk about scrolling down the timeline and all that, like, purging what's, like, the negative thoughts, like you mentioned. But you ain't going to pick up nothing if you ain't scrolling on that. you just going on there for the networking ability. And that's really what it is at the end of the day. It's a networking tool. Hell yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, I mean, it's good, though. You keep in contact with a lot of people, but, you know, you just don't want to get caught up in a lot of the negative stuff. And especially, like, you know, the back and forth with people because they really just want to, they really just want to get a reaction out of you anyway. And you wasting a few seconds of your time trying to talk to somebody who really ain't worth talking to anyway. So, you know, just really just protecting, you know, what you see, what you read, what you hear, how you respond to it. And then, you know, I think also being intentional about what you want to accomplish. So knowing that this stuff that you put out there, this is really the new resume because if I'm a company, if I'm a brand, the first thing I'm going to go look at is your social media and see what you got going on on there, you know, because I want to see if you're going to be a reflection, a good reflection of my brand or what I'm trying to build. And so understanding that this is your resume, you know, people put a lot of stuff out there. So you got to be careful. And once you hit that send button or, you know, you send that message out there, it's out there somewhere. Somebody's going to find a way to bring it back up. That's a fact. It's a big old fact. Yeah. I, I didn't hear stories of people not getting hired because of that, man. Yeah, man. They look at that. The NFL, no different. Like, yeah. NFL and college football, I know for sure they have people who they hire just for the social media to go check guys, you know, I think their profiles mm-hmm. and see what they're putting out there. Dang, that's crazy. It's a whole job? Yep. That's wild. I wonder what they pay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, because if I'm recruiting a guy out of high school, like, I want to know what's out there. One, I want to know what I'm getting into. I want to know what type of person you are. But then on the NFL level, if I'm hiring you and I'm giving you all this money, I need to make sure that you got the right personality. So a lot of times they have people to check the profiles and see what's being posted and, you know, seeing what's being put out there. So y'all better watch. Keep y'all burner accounts on lock. <laughs> somebody somebody always watching if you take that approach you'll make different decisions a lot of time yeah keep it to yourselves man don't, don't put all of yeah don't put it all out there <laughs> well shit look Ronnie, my brother we definitely appreciate you 
hopping on the podcast with us, bro. Thank you so much for coming and dropping the gems on the people, man. I enjoyed this episode. Yeah, man. That was fun, man. Appreciate you for the gems, your knowledge, and your experience that you got, man. We definitely look forward to seeing what else you got and what else you're going to keep on going with, man. Hey, man, I appreciate y'all sharing y'all time and y'all platform with me, man. I'm honored. I appreciate it. Ain't no problem, my Could brother. Could you let the people uh, know where they can find you and just, like, plug yourself in if you don't mind? Yeah, man, if you want to find me social media, I'm Ronnie23Brown, pretty much on Twitter, Instagram. Um, I don't know what Facebook. I just Ronnie Brown, I guess. And then outside of that, man, I'm just around Atlanta, man, trying to figure it out. Just trying to be better. Hey, man, we're going to let you know next time we come to Atlanta, too. Once the country open back up and everything, yeah. We, we was already in talks. So we got to do something. We got to partner up, man. Yeah, hey, man. man. I'll be here. I ain't going nowhere. Lord will. For sure, my brother. So, well, before we wrap this up, we're going to get into some housekeeping. But yeah, man, um, we just want to say thank you to all of our listeners and our supporters for constantly rocking with us every week. Y'all definitely follow us on Instagram at Black Wealth Renaissance. Follow us on Twitter at BWR underscore movement. Um, y'all check out our book, Managing Money Like the 1%. And also, y'all be on the lookout for our financial coaching calls that is happening every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Y'all get on. Um, we're going to have special guests speaking about different areas and aspects of where you can start expanding your knowledge, man. Also, be on the lookout for Credit Fundamentals 101 dropping soon. Yeah. It's going to be the all you need to know about understanding credit. Basics. Let's go. Well, and on that note, this is Black Wolf Renaissance signing out. Peace. Peace. Hey. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is run money marathon. I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper, all I know is blood, money, marriage. You can catch me with it. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.